I want to ask you a question this morning that I I trust that uh, you'll answer. I want to begin my message this morning by asking you this question. How many of you have a problem? For those of you that don't have a problem, you can leave now because this isn't going to be any help to you whatsoever. But if, but if you have a problem, you ought to stick around a little bit. I think the truth of the matter is every one of us has something that disturbs us, something that upsets us, something that burdens and breaks our heart, something that is always there before us and we just sometimes don't know what to do with it. Well, I, I, and you're either going to be overcome by that problem or you are going to overcome the problem that caused you to raise your hand. I want to preach a little bit about that this morning, but before we do, let's bow our hearts together in a word of prayer. Our loving Father, we do thank you and praise you for the opportunity that we have to be here at Victory Baptist Church. And I pray that you would open our hearts to receive what you have for us. I'm thankful that the entrance of your word gives light. I'm thankful that thy word gives us hope and encouragement. And I pray this morning, Lord, to any troubled heart that is here, that we might be able to be used of the Spirit of God to be a blessing and encouragement to them. And we'll thank you for what you do. Save the lost, I pray, and encourage and bless your children. And we'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. When when you read your Bible, there are many titles that God gives to the child of God. Uh, For instance, the Bible tells us in John chapter 1 and in verse number 12 that we are the children of God. If you're saved by the grace of God and kept by the power of God, then the Lord looks upon you as one of his children. Now, could you say amen to that? Oh my. Let's try that again. Can you say amen to that? You see, this is not a, I believe I read the sign correctly out there. It didn't say Victory Presbyterian Church this morning, did it? It didn't say Victory Methodist Church here this morning, did it? Although there was a day when the Methodists were known as the Shouting Methodist. Uh, now they're kind of known as the Dead Methodist. But thank God this is a Baptist church. Amens are welcome. Praise the Lord is welcome. Hallelujah is welcome. A raised hand is welcome. And by the way, if you're uncomfortable with that, I'd suggest you don't go to heaven. If I read my Bible correctly, we're going to say amen in heaven. And we're going to do it, the Bible says, with a loud voice. So just get used to it because that's the way it's going to be for all eternity. We are known as the children of God. You read a little further in your Bible and you come to the book of Acts chapter 11, we're referred to as Christians. Christians are followers of Jesus Christ. Not only is the title of children of God given to us, not only the title of Christian given to us, but the title of children of light is given to us in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 and in verse number 18. And we could go on and on and on through the Bible and find different titles that God has given to his children. For instance, we're known as soldiers according to 2 Timothy chapter 2. God says that my people are fellow citizens. 
They are citizens of heaven. And so we are known by these things. And each of those script, uh, scriptures and each of those titles give us an idea of what we are in Christ and the responsibilities that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. Those titles refer to our character. Those titles that we find in the Word of God describe our blessings. Those titles that God has given to us in His Word describe the privileges and responsibilities that we have as Christians, as soldiers, as fellow citizens of the saints, and as ambassadors of the Lord Jesus. But there's also a, neither, another title that God gives to us in His Word, and that's the title of overcomer. We are overcomers. We're not overcome by the flesh, overcome by the world, overcome by the devil, but we are known as overcomers. He's provided everything that you and I need to be an overcomer in life. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 John chapter 5 and in verse number 4, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh. I just want to put a period right there. Overcomes. Now, let me ask you this question this morning. How many of you profess to know Christ as your personal Savior? You're heaven bound and on your way there. Let me see your hand. I know, I know that I know I'm saved. All right, that verse refers to you. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh. And I believe any problem that you have, any problem that I have, is not too big and not too far gone that God can't handle. We're overcomers. I, I want to deal with that aspect of being an overcomer. I, I believe this morning that there are many defeated Christians today. Uh, you look around, it's not hard to pick them out. They don't have much joy about them. They don't have much enthusiasm about them. They don't have much excitement about them. And by the way, that's exactly where the devil wants us to be. He wants us to be defeated. He wants us to be discouraged. He wants us to be down in the dumps. He wants us to be captured by our circumstances to the point that we don't trust God and believe God and have confidence in God to work out all of these circumstances that we encounter in life. And yet the Bible says that we are overcomers. The Bible says that we are victorious. So I ask you the question, are, are you enjoying the victory that you have in Jesus Christ? Not only does the Bible say that we have the victory, but the Bible says that we are winners. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So I ask you the question, are, are you enjoying the victory that you have? Are you enjoying being on the winning side? Not only does the Bible tell us that, but the Bible also says that we're conquerors. We're conquerors. So we have this privilege of being in Christ, born again by the Spirit of God, kept by the power of God. And because of that, we are on the winning side. We are victorious and we conquer and overcome the issues and circumstances of life. That means that you and I can face any situation in life and know that he's able to handle that. I, I don't know what prompted you to raise your hand a moment ago. But whatever it is, it's not too big for God to handle. We heard in Sunday school about 
our big God. If you miss that, you miss the blessing. Our God is able to handle any circumstance that we face, any obstacle that is standing in our way, and he's able to defeat any enemy that rises up against us. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. If that's the case, why are so many of God's people defeated today? If we're on the winning side, we're conquerors, we're, we're, we're able to face these obstacles and these circumstances that come our way in life. Why is it that so many are defeated and discouraged and subdued and depressed and overcome by the flesh and the world and, and the devil? May I, may I say to you this morning, you'll never be the overcomer that God has designed us to be without prayer being in your life. How could you say amen to that? You'll, you'll never be the overcomer without prayer. You'll never, be, you'll never be the overcomer that God wants you to be without the promises of God, without the power of God, without the working and ministry of the Holy Spirit of God in and through your life. You'll never be the conqueror and the overcomer of those problems that you admit that you have without those elements being operative in your life. And yet, the weakest attended service of our churches is Wednesday night prayer meeting. If we're not going to overcome without prayer, why do we neglect Wednesday night? If, 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 if we're not going to be the overcomer without the promises of God, then why aren't we seeking them out in the Word of God? If we're not going to be able to overcome the situations that we experience in life without the power of the Holy Spirit, then why aren't we begging God to be filled with the Spirit of the Lord every day of our life? We're in a battle. And the Bible tells me that the devil goes about as a roaring lion and he's looking and he has his eye upon you and his eye upon me and the very purpose that he has in mind is to destroy us, to devour us. And that word devour there simply means to swallow us and to take us and literally, literally ruin us. That's the work of the devil. But aren't you thankful that greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world? Aren't you thankful that we are the overcomers that God has designed us to be? And when the devil throws his wiles, his methods, his schemes, his trickery our way, the Bible says that we're to resist him, we're to flee from him, we're to stand in opposition to him and walk in obedience to the commands that God has given to us in his word. He says that we're to be sober. That means that we have right thoughts in our minds. We, we need to bring in and draw in the very thoughts sometimes that Satan tries to plant in our mind. We have a problem. Boy, is it a big problem. And by the way, just to help you out a little bit, I started my day yesterday with one of the biggest problems I've faced in my lifetime. A big problem. And, and for a, a while, that problem just started getting bigger and bigger 
and bigger and bigger. As a matter of fact, it prevented me from getting here the time that I had arranged to be here yesterday morning until God stepped in. I feel a shout coming on right now, preacher. You and I cannot face the issues of life and the problems of life without the help of God. We need His help. We need His encouragement. We need His power. We need those promises that He's given to us. And that's why in Sunday school we learned about waiting upon the Lord. Because that's the only solution and the only way out of the situations that we face in life. So, what are you doing with your problems? The Bible says that we're to be overcomers rather than to be overcome by them. And do you know when you really stop to think about it, when it comes to this matter of overcoming, we have the example of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. The Bible tells us in John chapter 16 and verse number 33, when he was teaching and instructing his disciples just before the cross of Calvary, they were making their journey. They had gone from the upper room. And, and by the way, John chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16 are some of the most precious portions of Scripture that you will ever read. The Lord was instructing His disciples. And what He instructed them are the very instructions that you and I need. And here they are, walking and on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. They were about to encounter a great battle and he said, fellas, I want you to know, in the world you're going to have troubles. In the world you're going to be confronted with tribulations and trials and heartaches and disappointments and setbacks. You're going to face and encounter obstacles that seem so big and mighty and overpowering. But I just want you to know this. Boy, I feel a shout coming on right now. I just want you to know this. I have overcome the world. Well, he hadn't been to the cross yet. But he was already informing his discouraged and disappointed disciples, don't be fretting, don't be upset, don't be filled with worry and doubt. I have already overcome the world. That means the de devil's a defeated foe. That means our problems don't have to overcome us. The Lord said, I have overcome. Come it all. You know, a lot of people, when they face a tough spot, the first thing that they think about, and I'm talking about the way of the world, not God's people, but a lot of times the first thing that they think about is I need a bottle of booze. I, I need something to deaden this feeling that I have. I need something that will just take the edge off of things. So I, I'll take a, a little whiskey or I'll take a little beer. I'll take a little wine. It'll calm me down and I'll be able to face what I'm facing today. Only to find out that didn't solve a thing. There's others that think, well, if, 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 if these things are waiting on me and, and, and they're pressing me down and they're depressing me, then maybe what I need is a little more excitement in my life so I'll, I'll turn to immoral behavior in order to have a little fun in life and maybe that'll make me feel better. And there's others that say, well, I need to pop a pill. I need to really take the edge off of things. Someone convinces individuals in this world that a pill's going to solve your problems. 
And there's a lot of people that will die today because they bought into that. Our hope is based on Jesus and Jesus alone. It's not the pill. It's not the bottle. It's not immoral behavior. Our hope is in Christ and Christ alone. And we have his beautiful example of being able to overcome anything the devil threw his way, any discouragement that he faced in life, any problem that he encountered on his way to the cross. He said, I've overcome it all. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I like that verse in Psalm 119 and verse number 49 where the Bible says, Remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. Do you know what that's saying? When you have a problem, find a promise. Find, find a promise. Uh, we, we heard some prayer requests that was mentioned here this morning. There's some people that are facing sur surgery. Let's find a promise and, and bring that promise to the Lord. Lord, here's, here's, here's what you promised. Just reminding you, Lord, remember the word to thy servant. That's reminding the Lord of what he's already said. You say, oh, should we ever be so bold as to do that? Come boldly to the throne of grace that you might obtain mercy and grace to help you in your time of need. Now, if this isn't helping you, it sure is helping me. Remember thy word. Remember the promise that you've made to thy servant. And those promises that you have made give me hope. Get into the word. Find the promise. Claim the promise. And let's see what God is able to do. So an overcomer has the example of the Savior. But secondly, an overcomer has the encouragement of scriptures. Take your Bible and go to the book of Romans, chapter number 8. And I call your attention to some precious verses of scripture here. Romans chapter 8, the Bible tells us, beginning at verse number 35, Romans chapter 8 and verse number 35, the Bible says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation do that? It talks about tribulation. Uh, he's talking about things that pressure you. Those problems that you recognized and raised your hand about this morning, are they causing you pressure in your life? Are, are, are they causing you difficulties in your life? The Lord says nothing will be able to separate you from the tribulations. They'll not be able to overcome you. Then he talks about distresses. Do your problems distress you? God said nothing can separate us from the love of God. Shall tribulation do that? Shall distress do that? When we talk about distress, we're talking about things that confine us, things that hem us in, things that suppress us. That can't do it, the Lord says. Well, what about persecution? When the world turns against us and starts ridiculing us and making fun of us. And by the way, we're living in a society right now that you and I are open game for them. And, and they're coming at us from every side, making fun and ridicule and wanting to bring pressure and persecution upon the saints of God. He said, that can't do it. 
Tribulation can't do it. Distresses can't do it. Persecution can't do it. How about famine? You get to the place that you have nothing. You, you're empty. You're without the elements of life in order to... He said, that can't do it. That can't do it. Well, then how about nakedness? That means that you and I have to walk this earth without the comforts of life. Now, we're not very familiar with going without in the United States of America. Hello? We're, we're not used to that. If you need something, you just run to the grocery store and you get it. Run to the restaurant and you have it. Go to your cupboard and it's there. But in many of these countries of the world, they're naked. And by that, I simply mean that they're going without the comforts of life. They don't have the easy chairs like you and I have in our living rooms. They don't have a bed to crawl into at night like you and I have to crawl into every night. They don't have the abundance of things to eat and be at their disposal like you and I have. God said, that can't do it. Famine and nakedness, peril, being exposed to, to risk and unfortunate in life. No, God said, that can't do it. The sword facing death itself. No, that can't do it. You'll never be separated from the love that you have in Christ Jesus. He loves you. He cares about you. And he wants nothing but the best for you. And when I read this passage of Scripture, I, I not only see the perils that confront us, but I see the peace that comforts us. The Bible tells us in verse number 37, nay, in all of these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now, don't miss what he says there. He doesn't say, if I just try a little bit harder, I'll be able to overcome. If, 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 I, if, if I just read the success stories of others, uh, that will encourage me and help me and know that I can overcome. No, 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 it doesn't say that there. God is saying, nay, in all of these things, you can conquer. How? Through Christ, with Christ, with the help of God Almighty, you and I can overcome whatever prompted us to raise our hand and admit, I've got a problem. I've got a problem. So we have the perils that are here. We have the peace that God gives us here. And we also have the promise that captures us here. He tells us in verse number 37 that we're more than conquerors. He tells us in verse number 39 that even though, at verse 38 he says, even though there, there might be death and, and, and all of these principalities and powers are, are coming against you, height and depth and any other creature shall not be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Talk about a promise. Boy, that ought, to, that ought to raise our voices to say hallelujah, amen, glory to God. I lift my hand in adoration to him for all that he does for us. That's what we have in Christ Jesus. So how do we overcome? What gives us the assurance of overcoming? Well, we have the example of the Savior. We have the encouragement of Scripture. And then I believe we have the effects on the saints that is produced. Whatsoever is born of God could overcome. Is that what your Bible says? Oh, I, I know. 
let's, let's read it like we might find in another translation. You know, you can understand, understand it better if you read the RSV or the, the uh, Living Bible or uh, the ESV or, you know, one of those more modern, up-to-date versions of Scripture. You know what God tells us in the old King James Bible? Whatsoever is born of God overcomes. You can't improve on that. You can't change and alter that. You can't find hope outside of what God has said in his word that is going to bring you through the storms and the difficulties and the hardships of life. He identifies the overcomers, those that are saved by the grace of God. Not only does he identify him, but he says there's an imperative that you need as an overcomer to make sure that it comes true. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And what is it that overcomes the world? Even your hard work. Is that what your Bible says? Can anybody tell me what it says there? What is it that we need in order to overcome? Even your faith. Well, what is faith? It's trust and confidence and being fully persuaded that what, oh, I feel the shot coming on right now. What is faith? Faith is the confidence and the assurance that whatever God said he would do, he is able to do it and he'll do it for me. So what's your problem? What are you struggling with? What's creating pressure in your life? What's causing you to have doubts? What's squeezing you? What, what is making life uncomfortable for you? The inevitable results is that you and I overcome through Christ, which strengtheneth us. Do you believe that, that old song that we sing many times, take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there? When, when you doubt, just take it to the Lord and leave it there. If you never doubt, you're surely going to come out because you can take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. Do you honestly believe that? Are you persuaded of that? If you're not convinced of that, your faith is not where it needs to be. My faith is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. So whatever prompted you to say, I've got a problem. You know what you need to do? This is what we call an old-fashioned altar. Unfortunately, in some of our more modernized and what we call civilized churches, that's no longer there. 
And do you know what I've discovered? There's a lot of independent Baptist churches. Preacher, a lot of them. We don't need an invitation anymore. We're too sophisticated for that. And there's a lot of people sitting in the pews, just like you're sitting in pews this morning, that say, why do I need to go to the altar? I don't need that altar anymore. Why, people might look down upon me. Now, how long have you been a part of this church? How many? Nine. Nine years. Do you look at him as a good example? Can you depend upon him to play the piano each week? Yes, sir. He's going to be here? He's going to be faithful? Yes, sir. You know, sometimes that causes people, I don't need the altar anymore. Because what will people think of a, a distinguished, and I, I watched him play the piano this morning. You got yourself a distinguished husband. I take this as your wife. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Some churches you never know anymore, you know. You got yourself a distinguished husband. I, I, I know you love to play the piano. I could see it written all over your face. You did it with joy. And I'm thankful that you're faithful. But boy, I'm, I'm a faithful member of Victory Baptist Church. I, I can't go to the altar. People think I have a problem. Why should I subject myself to such cruel thoughts on others I'm a distinguished member of this church. And if I admit I've got a problem, they might have a dim view of me from this point on. And you try to carry it. You try to work it out yourself. You try to figure out the answer to it all without the help of the Lord. And I guarantee you, you're going to be shipwrecked before long. You'll be shipwrecked. So what I'm going to ask you to do this morning, I don't know what it was that caused you to raise your hand, but why not just take it to that altar and say, Lord, here it is. Amen. This is what's troubling me. This is what's perplexing me. This is what's causing me some uncomfortableness in my life. Here it is. I'm placing it on the altar, and I believe what you've told me in your word, that if I cast all my care upon you, you'll bring me through. You will bring me through. So here it is. Do the work. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Going to ask the pianist if they would get to the piano.